One of the reasons I made the Boon Reflections is because it's so easy to talk yourself out of doing something. You have an idea, maybe you've even started it, and you're on the path, and then uh, life and that little voice in your head get the best of you and just convince you to stop. And so I wanted to make these reflections to help keep you on that path of when you actually uh, work up the guts to bring your idea to life, that maybe it's helpful to hear stories and other perspectives of people who have done that in the past so that you can keep going and finish your idea. And so lately, uh, I've been just talking to people who have uh, either gone through the Boon Reflections or they're going back through it as they're creating something, as they're starting their idea. And so today we're talking to my friend, Joey Taylor. And Joey uh, started as a volunteer and is currently a volunteer for Bespoken and is the one who is behind Bespoken Live on campus. We go into schools and we help kids find their voice together so that they can be seen and known. And Joey's been doing all kinds of um, programs with uh, places of faith, after school programs, in school. Um, he's been doing amazing work. It's very exciting. And um, recently he's uh, picked up the Boone Reflections and started them just to see what they bring up as, uh, as we launch Bespoken Live on campus. And so that's what this conversation is. Thought it would be helpful for anybody that um, if you're on that path, you're trying to get, get something off the ground. I think it's good to hear other people's stories. And so that's what today is. So we will jump into that conversation now. One of the things that is kind of jumping out at me as that relates to, the, to this conversation is a second uh, reflection on fear. Um, it's difficult for me to admit fear. It really is. Fear is, I can be angry, angry really easy, but being afraid is really difficult for me. Mm. Um, so... What what that meditation for me kind of evoked, um, brought back to mind was a time when I was young, like probably five or six. I was little. I hadn't start gone. I hadn't started going to school yet, mm -hmm. um, and my dad would work really, really long, long um, days at work. And you know, it was like kind of that classic thing. My mom would say stuff like, "Wait till wait till your dad gets home. He'll <laughs> deal with this." Yeah, and so as days went by and it felt like a long time. It was probably like a week actually, but <laughs> felt like a long time. Kid time. <laughs> yeah. Kid time. That's like years. Yeah. It felt like a long time, but he would come home every day and I would just dread it throughout the entire day. Like, um, I would imagine running away or imagine like trying to go do something else. So I wouldn't be there when he was home or, or something like that because somehow I was just convinced that he didn't actually know me or love me. And um, one day it kind of like came to, a, came to a head and it was about time for him to get home. And I remember very specifically saying, I can't, thinking to myself, I can't run away because how am I going to eat? I'm five years old. <laughs> and um, so I hid behind a couch in our living room and as I sat there, the fear of not being known or seen just kind of overtook me. And I felt these like, I remember like just sobbing, but wow. trying to be silent because I didn't want my mom to hear me because then she would give away my hiding spot. So then I hear my dad, like the, the garage door open and 
my heart beats, my heart, my, my heart starts to beat faster and faster. And I hear my dad open the garage door and walk around and yell my name. And I'm trying to be silent, but I'm getting more and more upset, you know, and he walks into different rooms and different rooms and they can't find me. And he's not mad at all, but I, I'm just imagining him kind of being angry, sort of. And then somehow he comes into the living room. I'm behind a couch. There's no reason for him to look there, but he looks behind the couch almost because he actually does know me. He knows exactly where I would be, yeah. you know? And he looks like over the edge of the couch and sees me and pulls me up. And he gives me a hug and he's like, and he says to me, what's wrong? And I just like pour out and I don't even know, nothing articulate. I just started, you know, like blubbering something about not being loved or something. And, and my dad met, he met, he didn't like start crying with me, but he, I could see that he was getting emotional and there was like a, tears welling up in his eyes. So he met my my need for to be seen and to be loved. Um, he met it and he said, Joey, I love you more than anything else. Like you don't ever have to worry about that. Mm. And I yeah, so so for me, the boon reflection piece, it was amazing for me to connect that story, which was so formative for me, to the desire that I have to actually kind of partner with this thing that's happening in the world where people are seen and people are known um, through story. Um, yeah, and, I, and it's been cool to kind of to, to see that happen with these high schoolers I've been working with. Yeah, could, I was going to ask if you could just talk about, so you're going into, you're going into schools, you're going into um, groups of students, teaching them storytelling, teaching them story listening, helping them craft their story, then giving them a chance to find their voice together, to share their story. Can, and we've just been talking about the power of what happens when, when we are actually seen and known and what that does for people. What's that been like seeing that with, with that happen with students? There's just this, there's this process that happens where at first everyone's like, oh, okay, we're going to tell a story. Sure. Stories. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> And then one thing leads to another and they start to like have a little bit of fun. And then all of a sudden they're making these discoveries of themselves and of other people as they craft this story. And then they start to share the story and the room, we get in circles and share stories and the room just starts to vibrate with, um, with other people, like everybody authentically showing up and this courage that it takes to show up authentically and the courage it takes to meet people when they do that. Um, and you can just see this it's confidence, resiliency, but like the, the spark of belonging and community emerge. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool that, you've been able to realize that that need and desire to be seen that you're facilitating for people um, comes from pretty deep, deep within, which I, I think is a pretty universal thing, right? Like we yeah. all, we have our uh, unique ways that that may be manifested or that we can reflect back on, but we talk a lot about with Bespoken of just the power of that, the vibration in the room of when we're sharing stories, the power is, is that people are just like, thank 
God, I thought I was alone yeah. in this. Like, uh, it feels so good to know that I'm, I'm not all by myself feeling these things and that you've experienced it too. And we become known to each other. And, um, that's almost, I think what, what I'm hopeful happens through the Boone reflections is that when you reflect back on your own stories, it, you become more known to yeah. yourself. Yeah. That discovery of connecting that story about my dad to the motivation for the work that I'm doing now was surprising to me. It really was surprising mm-hmm. to me. So I think the thing about this work is that story is just so unassuming, you know? Um, but what it draws on is what people already have within them. Yeah. It's like, it's there. It's not something that needs to be conjured or unearthed or something. It's just like, it's there. It's just, it just requires a, an admission, a, a consent, a, a willingness to engage. Yeah. Um, well, I noticed the other day when we were meeting with Jen at, uh, the Peasley neighborhood center, um, uh, it was cool. Cause you're just like, we don't really, we don't do a whole lot. You know, like we show up and just create a little bit of space, but what's happening is the people are bringing everything. And as I'm talking to you, there's this cardboard box behind you. And I just keep thinking in a way, what we're doing is we're for like these students, we're bringing in a cardboard box, throw it in in the center of the room. And it's like, let's build something magic. And that's all we did is just toss a, a ratty box in the room, like nothing (laughs) special, Mm -hmm. just some good questions and some strategic purposeful you know space making essentially but then it's like it's the people that come to the room and decide to show up like they're the ones that turn it into something beautiful and it's it's just weird how it works every single time and has has nothing to do really with us i don't think mm-hmm. yep yep absolutely yeah absolutely i think i mean like my experience in working with with these high schoolers is there is a little bit of a process where they're trying to feel out if this, the box that we're bringing can be trusted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, is this, is it really safe? Is it really okay to, 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 to enter into this fully? Um, yeah, but the, the invitation is so open-ended and the, the level of engagement is just across the board in terms of how, deep and um, personal people are willing to go. So, and I don't actually think that we have to go to the deepest, darkest story in order to create that connection. Yeah. You know, like we're doing, we've done events around the four letter word hero where people talk about the superhero that they are or the powers that they have, um, their origin story. And some of the, some of the high schoolers take it in a, in a much more personal way and it's and it is catalyzing and it's important but then there's also laughter in the room and there's joy and there's playfulness and I, for me that's a huge part of discovering who i am like yeah it's not just about going to the the deepest darkest places it's also about admitting our our innocence and our desire to play and our desire to have joy. It doesn't always have to be the heaviest thing in the yeah, world. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of Anne Lamott's quote that laughter is carbonated holiness. Which yeah. I love. Yeah. Um, speaking of, so hero and superpowers, one of, I think your, your superpowers and the reason that 
we're even having this conversation of trying to um, turn Bespoken Live on campus and the work we're doing with students into um, a very real, you know, full-time job with a budget and a plan and creating all that is because doors are just opening for you. Mm-hmm. And I think your superpower is that um, is a magnetism that people are drawn to you and that when you enter a space and start talking almost immediately people are just like, well, whatever he's doing, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by and I want to know more by. And then the more you talk, they're just like, okay, well let, let's, I want to keep stepping through doors with you. I'm wondering if that resonates and if the boon reflections, if any stories of from the past of came up that that's something that you were just actually just born with that, that that's just always been happening to you. Yeah, I appreciate you identifying that within me. I think um, that is something that has been a theme of the Boone Reflections as I've gone through them. Pre-college pre, uh, Joey was identified by basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really like incredible at basketball. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I remember multiple coaches talking about that kind of thing. Um, and specifically, one of my key mentors, key um, sages, using the hero's journey language um, in my life was my high school basketball coach, um, Coach Halland. And he just continually s- tried to put me in places of leadership where I could invite others to come with me. And he actually told me... Um, he said something to the effect of, I've never seen somebody that draws people to themselves like you, hmm. to themselves like you. That's awesome. Um, and even if that's not true, him saying that made it more true. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, so Coach Coach Hallen was was really big, was really big for me. I, I had this, I don't know, I think it's a pretty typical experience. You get out of high school, you sort of like, who the heck am I now? What mm-hmm. do I even believe? What the heck is happening? You know, and um, I went to this school and kind of didn't work out. Only stayed there for a couple of weeks. And like, I just couldn't cut it mm. away from home. And I came back and Coach Howland gave me the opportunity to assist him at the varsity basketball team. And it just felt to me like he was saying, Hey Joey, remember who you are. Like you're not the person who failed there. You're the person who, who does have a magnetism. Mm. This is who you are, Mm. you know? Um, and so, yeah, so I think I, that really, that resonates with me in a really deep way. It does feel like I should be self-conscious about that, but (laughs) (laughs) I, I think in terms of the gift that I was born with, um, that that might be it yeah yeah that makes me think a funny thought like does uh is the superman does he feel self-conscious about being able to fly he's just like i'm sorry guys but i i can fly like, <laughs> i know i should feel a little guilty because not everyone can fly but so maybe to just close things out if you um in your own way if you could use that that superpower of invitation and drawing people in in a twofold way of maybe like specifics and logistics of what they can do, but also just sort of the 
reiterating like why we're doing this. And I know for me, the, what I can speak from is as I look at and experience the news stories and all of these school shootings and the violence that's happening and the division and just everything that is surrounding us, I get a, I just feel a dreadful sense of helplessness mm. of like, what can we even do? There's no point. There's nothing that can be done to change it. And what I know, what's in my hand is Bespoken Live. And what I know I've experienced and what I know is true is that the vibrating rooms of when people share stories and the walls that get pushed down and um, the connection and community that happens when we're, when we're vulnerable with each other. And so all I know to do with that is to try that maybe with Bespoken Live on campus, we can actually make a difference. Mm. Um, what is it for you, the, the why behind what we're doing that might, if people, if other people are out there feeling a sense of, I wanna do something, but I just, I don't know what I can do. Maybe there's a way that they can plug in with us. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if the idea of showing up authentically if the idea of cultivating or sparking hope through belonging is resonant for people who are listening. And if they see this as, a, as especially relevant for high schoolers who are feeling increasingly isolated and alienated and not known or seen, um, then I would love to have a conversation. And probably the best way to do that is to check out bespokenlive.org slash on campus. Um, if you're still a little like maybe on the fence about what's happening or what we're doing, um, we are having a, a brunch and learn on July 14th. Um, Saturday morning. It's a Saturday morning. Yeah, so there'll be more details about that on our Facebook and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think that I, I really think the invitation is not just to extend belonging, but also to find belonging for yourself. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, in, in light of all the polarization and hopelessness, the only antidote that I have hope for is authentic belonging. And I think the best means of that is story. It's not going to be argument. It's not going to be more information. It's got to be encounter with people. It's good. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. I feel like we can just end it there. Cool.